Hey, so listen, how many of you are excited about Thanksgiving? No, 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 let's try that again. How many of you are excited about Thanksgiving? There we go. Much, much better. Much better. And you know what? I've, I believe that for Thanksgiving, you can repent of gluttony ahead of time. You can just say, God, we know this is going to happen, so we're going to confess it, get it out of the way, and then go for it. How's that sound? Not good at all, does it? It was funny, my parents will be coming in. Usually we go to South Carolina. We're going to be staying here this year because one of my daughters is traveling, and so we're going to stay home. And my mom got an email from us of all the things she needs to make. <laughs> Told her she couldn't see my kids unless she came through the door with all of the above. It's called leverage, my friends. <laughs> so listen, we are heading into Thanksgiving. And one of the things that I'm aware of is that we live in a world where thankfulness and gratitude is not a primary value. But Scripture commands us to give thanks to God for what He's done in our lives. It's part of offering back to Him as worship what He's done for us. And if God does something incredible in my life, and I don't share it, I don't tell anyone, and I keep it bottled up, I think that short circuits God's full intent for His life in and through us. And so what we're going to do this morning is there are people that are going to be sharing their God stories. There's going to be these two individuals who will be sharing. Chester is going to be sharing first. And then what will happen is we're going to kind of go through these two testimonies. Cena will be sharing next. Then we're going to have a couple that will come out. And then I'm going to end with another friend of mine who's going to be sharing her God story as well. But Scripture says this in the book of John chapter 21, verse 25. I'd like the verse put up on the screen. It says this, at the end of the book of John, the most incredible gospel that tells us not just who Jesus, what Jesus did, but who he was. Here's how John ends his gospel. Jesus did many other things as well, and if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That, I believe, was a joyful prophetic announcement by John that Jesus would continue to work beyond John's life. And so I think through this scripture we have freedom for people to come forward this morning and share their story and to declare the amazing things that Jesus has done in their lives. So at this time, Chester is going to share a brief God story about something that recently happened in his life, following him being finished, on time Chester, um, being finished, then Cena will be sharing next as well. Let's give them a hand before they share. Pastor P says, 50 minutes, right? <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity for me to share with you how our living God can directly intercede in our times of trouble. The uh, scripture passage that I'd like to share with you is from John uh, chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Since September 10th through November the 10th, for about two months, you did not see me here at City Church wearing my red security shirt walking around. And that's because I was... I had an ordeal with a severe back pain and leg pain, um, and I couldn't sleep, I couldn't stand, and I couldn't walk. And this was followed by a diagnosis of congenital lumbar stenosis and also neurosurgery. I never had surgery before. After four weeks of physical therapy, I am near complete recovery. 
And this has been 10 weeks. <sighs> I'm still trying to convince my wife that I can't do housework yet. <laughs> Doctor's orders only. None of this miraculous recovery could have been possible without God's intervention. Each time we pray and seek his help, he responded. Let me share with you a little bit of detail of this story. After two weeks of severe back pain, my primary care physician suspected of a pinched nerve, and he ordered an MRI. For those of you who've had MRI, this is usually a 15 to 20-minute procedure. In my case, this lasted eight hours. And only through God's intervention by placing an MRI tech, whom we've known from church since he was a little boy from Sunday school, was the MRI completed. Earl um, shuffled his busy schedule and put me in the MRI tube four times, each time after they pumped me with more and more drugs. And I wasn't sure what was going on. Earl was willing to skip lunch, stay late, and finally got the results. And the MRI was critical to the diagnosis of lumbar stenosis. By chance, the MRI was seen by a neurosurgeon in the ER who recommended surgery. Hadn't even seen the patient yet. He's recommending surgery. He suggested for us to call his office for an appointment, and that appointment was scheduled for February 1st, 2017. That's four months from now. God intervened the second time by linking my wife, Arlene, with Maggie, a physician's assistant. Maggie, the PA, happens to be in the car when Arlene called. And Dr. Young, the neurosurgeon, happens to be in the same car with her. By chance, of course. And Dr. Young immediately gave us an appointment for the following week. Just a side note, ladies, you guys do so much better in keeping your relationships than men do. Meeting with a neurosurgeon who explained that my condition is bad, I knew that, and offered surgery as a last resort, but he happened to have an opening the following Wednesday, which is two days later. A laminectomy procedure was performed on my lumbar vertebrate uh, number two, three, four, and five on September the 28th. And this was a four-hour back surgery, removing the lamina, the back part of the vertebrate, in order to relieve pressure on the nerve. So now if a friend calls me a spineless weasel, okay, <laughs> he would be immediately correct, 50%. Thursday, the following day, uh, while I was in the hospital, a good friend, George Morris, visited me. Uh, he is, uh, on, he's the FCA chaplain. And he commented that the FCA staff were praying for me that Wednesday morning, the day of my surgery. But specifically, they prayed that the surgeon's schedule would be freed up so there would be no delay because I was supposed to be the second surgery. God answered those prayers as well because my surgery was moved up an hour the day before. Now, six weeks after surgery, I am completely pain-free, okay, still can't do housework. <laughs> Praise the Lord, resuming many of my routine activities, including training 13 Stephen ministers here at City Church. Through these last two months, I'm so grateful that we worship a God, a living God, who intercedes when we call upon him, and he fulfills his promises to us. The Apostle Paul writes, give thanks in all circumstances, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Thank you for listening to my story. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to share um, something that's actually, I just realized this morning, happened last year. Um, a couple years ago, I had gotten married, and due to some unfortunate circumstances, had to get an annulment, which is quite difficult to get. Um, but God, 
being my father and as good as he is, was able to move things around and, and um, I was able through, uh, was able to get the annulment. Um, but sometimes when we want to get out of something so quickly, we agree to things that had we known looking forward that it would be a horrible idea. Um, part of the annulment agreement that I had to sign was um, that my uh, ex-husband would not contest the annulment if I agreed to pay him $10,000. Now, signing the paper, I was like, I'll do whatever it takes to get out of this because it's a situation that no one should find themselves in, but I agreed to it and sort of like ignored the consequences. So last year, um, I was able to get the annulment. A judge ruled on it and, and gave it to me. And when I, after I had gotten it, I kind of just was like, yay, I'm out of it. Through other circumstances, the Lord had provided um, a, a new house for me to buy, which happened to be next door to my best friend, which was a dream that we had had for eight years. And so I was able to buy this house. And of course, anybody who's bought a house knows that you're immediately poor after you sign those papers. Um, and so I just moved into the house. This was December last year. And I got a phone call from my lawyer. He's letting me know that, you know, there was a clause for the $10,000 and that I needed to pay it. And um, my ex was pursuing a lawsuit if I was not going to pay. So I remember sitting in my best friend's house and just kind of staring at the wall being like, all right, um, so let's see how I can scrape together some coins. And, and I just remember thinking the whole time that God has to do something. I know God. He just walked with me through this situation. And I, I knew that God was God, and I knew that God was bigger than anything that could ever happen to me. And I remember there were two songs that I was consistently listening to. One was It Is Well, and the other one was No Longer a Slave, But I'm a Child of God. Those songs just kept playing over and over. And so um, I, I, tried, <laughs> I tried to apply for a loan. It's not a good idea when you buy a house because every bank in America will laugh at you. Um, so I, I was walking to work one day, um, and in this moment, I had no way to come up with $10,000. I had no way to ask any family members because none of my family has money. None of my friends were going to give me $10,000 because I'm pretty sure if I asked, they would also laugh at me. Um, so I was literally pinned up against the wall. And I was walking to work one morning. It's like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I'm, I'm just praying. I'm like, God, you know, this is my debt. I was the one who signed on the line. It was my signature that said, I will pay you this money, but I'm your kid, and so you have to pay the debt, because this is how this works. I get in trouble, you get me out. And I just, I believed with all my heart that God would do it. I didn't know how, which way, but I was just like, you have to pay this debt, even though it's mine. And so this is December, which, of course, nobody has any money because it's Christmas. It's the end of the year. You're, I'm poor because I just bought a house. Um, and like a week later, I got a check in the mail from my school because I was in school at the time. And they had refunded me $3,500. No reason. I called them. They said, oh, you overpaid. This is the extra money. And I'm like, okay, here's one check. A few days later, I got another check in the mail. My amended tax return had finally come in that I had applied for in October. Finally got it. There's another two grand I can write off. So in a, in a week, I had already paid 5,500. So the first of the year comes and I was praying and hoping that I could get my tax return because I knew I was getting money back. So I filled that out as fast as possible. In the meantime, I had gotten a bonus at work. There was more money. By the time I got my tax return and wrote him a check, I had to personally write a check for $100. Everything else had been paid for. God had miraculously provided $9,900 in under seven weeks for me to pay off a debt I agreed to pay, but he was willing to cover. My only portion of it was 0.01% of the entire debt. 
at the end of it, when I, I gave the lady the last check, I started to cry, and she was like, oh, it's all over. And I said, no, you don't understand. God just provided all this money, and I don't have to pay it. This was something I was carrying. It was a heavy weight. I was single. I had just bought a house. I don't have a job that pays me thousands of dollars a month. And yet, my plan was to pay it off by August, but God had intervened and, and affirmed again that I wasn't a slave. I was his child, and he was going to take care of it because that's what my daddy does. Thank you, guys. Let's give them a hand for their story. Chester did pretty well with time, didn't he? What we're going to do now is I'm going to ask that you would stand with me. We're going to sing a worship chorus just for a moment to give thanks to God. And then we're going to hear another story about what God has done. Let's worship together. sounds a lot like what you just heard Cena share and Chester share. That when God does something, it's kind of one and done, and it's just an incredible story. But that's not always how God works. Sometimes we go through things in life that we could have never, ever dreamt we would face. So I'm going to ask at this time that if the miracles, that's actually their last name, miracle. And if the miracles would kind of share their story about what you guys have been through over the past year or so, and really how God has brought you through. So if you could kind of set the stage of what you guys went through and begin to share with your church family uh, your God story. It is not on. Now it's on. This is Sarah and Joe Miracle, by the way. Everyone say good morning, Sarah. Everyone say good morning, Joe. Good morning. Thank you so much, Pastor Pete, for giving us an opportunity to just give God all the glory for what we've been through over the past year. That's kind of a hard song. Well, a great song, but it's got me a little emotional because this is our story, and I want to give praise to God for what he's done in our lives. Can we put the pictures up, too? Do you mind? Go ahead. Um, so um, we're the Miracles, and about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, we were living a perfectly happy life. We have um, three children, Jack, Benji, and Savannah, and it's a little bit early there, but um, <clears throat> uh, Savannah was 14 months old. She had just uh, started walking, and she got sick for the very first time, and as a third-time mom, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, um, so I just thought I'd wait and see. So the next morning, she didn't wake up, and I thought it was a good time to go get some doctors involved in what was going on. And we took her to the ER, and um, they did all the tests, and they said, you know, an IV should perk her up, but she wasn't perking up. And they came in a couple of hours later and started doing a physical examination on her. And at that time, Savannah sat up and opened her eyes, 
and her right eye had gone sideways. And I knew something was terribly, terribly wrong. Um, and, you know, that the brain was affected. Something was going on there. So they rushed us to UVA by ambulance. And a, probably about an hour and a half after we showed up at the ER there, the ER doctor pulled Joe and I aside and said that the spinal tap had come back positive for bacterial meningitis. What I remember about that moment are two things. There were two nurses standing, young nurses that were standing at the back of the room and they were looking at me like I had just been told that my baby was going to die. And the other thing was that in that moment, I had this deep, deep assurance that Savannah would not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. But knowing that truth doesn't make it any easier when you're looking at your baby like that with tubes and a breathing thing down her throat. Um, it was a battle, you know, I'm human and it was difficult. This is the baby girl that I had prayed and asked God specifically for a daughter. So in my heart of hearts, I went back to that prayer and I thought, God has answered this prayer. He has given me this little girl, and he is not going to take her away. She's not going to die. But at the same time, I did not know how she was going to live. I didn't know how we were going to live. I didn't know how it was going to affect our family. And um, there were so many doctors involved, uh, neurologists, um, otolaryngologists, ophthalmologists, uh, that, that picture of her is really early. That was, um, that was really early. It was probably the next day after all of that. And um, they were good. They told me not to Google bacterial meningitis, and I still haven't. Um, I don't recommend that anybody do that. They said instead to Google brain plasticity. It's much better. Um, I actually haven't Googled that either, but um, <laughs> it's... Um, Bacterial meningitis, <clears throat> the way that it affects each person is so vastly, vastly different. So as a believer, I want to look to somebody as like an example. You know, they set the, like if they were a trailblazer for how to get through this. Um, and at the same time, I knew that there was no one out there that would, that I could even observe because the outcome of bacterial meningitis is so different for each family. Um, so we were really, it was really just Christ alone. Um, it was a lonely fire that we were going through. And there was, it was just day by day. Day so by Joe, day. in the midst of this, tell me as a dad kind of what you were going through. Well, as a, as a dad, um, you know, we're, I'm supposed to be emotional and spiritual leader of my family. And it wasn't just, I, I recognize that this wasn't just my daughter that was under attack, but it was my family, it was my wife, um, and her emotional and spiritual uh, health. And, um, you know, I, as a dad, I'm supposed to be strong. And I was at a point of complete weakness. Um, I watched my wife and daughter drive off in the ambulance and I, I had to pick my boys up from school and I realized that she had took the keys. <laughs> and that's not a situation where I can text her and say, hey babe, you took the keys, can you turn around and come back? <laughs> um, so from the very beginning, I, I had to say, help God. You know, I had to call out and, and not rely on my own strength uh, for that. That's good. So tell us a little bit more about what it was like after sort of the initial shock of the diagnosis and then um, what has really happened over the year plus, sort of what has God done? Joe's pointing at you. He wants you to tell what, what, what happened. So um, Savannah was hospitalized for 18 days and um, there wasn't a lot of progress 
it was very, very, very slow recovery, so slow. So by the time we brought her home, she had a third nerve palsy, which her eyes were basically shut. She had one eye that was able to open barely. Um, yeah, that's so you can see there that is before and after. Um, and that, that hurt so bad. The day that I made that picture was a hard day because you see how beautiful Savannah is, um, just beautiful. And to see how much was taken from her just in a short period of time was heartbreaking. So she uh, has a third nerve palsy. She couldn't sit up. She couldn't crawl. She lost her ability to walk. Um, and um, we would find out months later that she had also gone deaf. <clears throat> that was the um, that was the blow for me, because all those other things you can see, time will recover. She'll get stronger. The ophthalmologists were saying that her eyes would improve over time. Um, but you can't get your hearing back. And um, that was hard because from the very beginning, from the very beginning, I was praying for complete and total restoration. And that is where my faith is still. My faith is for complete and total restoration. Um, and in this process, as a believer, I've been a believer for 18 years, this experience, for the first time, I have really started longing for heaven because there everything will be restored everything will be made right and healed and whole and i look forward to the day that i can see savannah there and the heavenly chorus oh my word just how amazing that will sound to her ears her totally perfected in christ ears um we had to move pretty quickly Emotionally, it was really difficult because with a diagnosis like bacterial meningitis, one thing that ends up happening is that the cochlea begins to ossify into bone because of just all the scar tissue from the infection and the drugs and the, um, the immune response. So we didn't have much time to think about whether or not we wanted Savannah to have cochlear implants. It was just either we do this now, she won't hear the same way that we hear, or she will be completely deaf for the rest of her life because her cochleas would turn into bone and you would lose access to the auditory nerve in her brain. It's all very sciencey, um, <laughs> but she now has bilateral cochlear implants, and probably for the first time in maybe maybe a couple months ago, and even last week, honestly, this week, um, she's finally, finally starting to get it. Like, she's starting to say words back to me. She's wanting to keep her ears on and not rip them off her head because um, everything sounds robotic or something. But, um, but it's been good. She regained her ability to walk about six months ago. And probably, if you look for her, um, she walks through the, she goes from the kid's space directly to the snack table after <laughs> church. She's just like her dad. <laughs> by the way. And she does the whole like cutting through legs. So I'm chasing her, not mainly because I don't want her to lose one of her processors because they come right off. So can we put the picture up of Savannah with her cochlear implants? There she is. Oh, there she is. Do we have that other photograph or did we pull that one out? Is there one more or no? Am I wrong? That's it. There's, that's it. Okay, gotcha. Joe, is there anything else that you would like to add? Um, before Joe jumps in, I've learned something in life, and it's this. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. I've learned to believe that. I grew up in a home where you were commanded to be very self-sufficient. Well, I know that in the midst of my doctorate, I was literally drowning, drowning. And uh, I remembered praying and just saying, God, I need help. And Joe Miracle became the help. He became a miracle for me because he had edited several doctoral programs before. And I remember Joe so vividly the time you walked up to me and said, God told me to come and help you finish your doctorate. Do you remember that? Yes. And it was an absolute miracle, and I always laugh when I say that, because Joe, 
You literally are my miracle. Way to go, buddy. Way to go. Hey. And I don't mean to out him, but he's one of the best editors I've ever seen in my life, and I've worked with several. And what he did editing my doctoral program actually got me my doctorate. So way to go, buddy. Appreciate you. Well, that's God too, you know. Sarah and I were talking this morning about setups and payoffs. God provides us the answer before we even know we need, before we even need it. So, um, one thing I wanted to, to comment on is about the, the community of believers. Um, when Pete gets up here and dedicates a baby, yeah, everybody stretches their hands forth, and it's something we do and we do often. Um, every time we do that now, it means so much to me because we stood up on this stage and we dedicated Savannah to the Lord. Savannah's God's. Pete dedicated her in front of many of you. And you were the community who made good on that commitment to pray when my daughter went through her, her ordeal. And uh, we were desperate as parents, and we needed your prayers, we needed your hands, we needed your meals, we needed everything, every bit of the support that you provided for us. Because, like I said, in weakness, God makes us strong. And one of the strengths is the community. And I know how critical that is, because when we were desperate, the enemy tried to attack us at the level of community. The enemy tried to drive wedges between us and our relationships. And, um, and, and it's like a lion trying to separate the gazelle from the rest of the pack. And so, um, we want, I, that's, that's what I want to say, is that the community of believers in Charlottesville and in Oklahoma and in Texas and in Virginia Beach, everywhere where we've been, um, is what has made us strong uh, through this. And uh, we're still in it. We're still, we still don't know exactly what to expect. But when we look at um, what God has done in our lives, every time, we have, every time we pray, every time we have a desperate need, we remember that God has answered those prayers. And the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God tells Israel to remember. And sometimes we approach God with the faith of the Old Testament Israel and saying, God, are you really who you say you are? Is this problem too big for you to come through for us this time? And the answer is, God is always big enough. God is always loving enough. God is always powerful enough to answer our prayers. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand. We, um, Joe, I'm going to ask you to pray for Savannah, so if you'll grab your microphone, and as a church family, we're going to stand, and we're going to agree with Joe in prayer as he prays for Savannah, and then we're going to worship to one more chorus while our last testimony comes forward, if you'll lead us in prayer, Joe. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Savannah Miracle, Lord. She's such a precious light, Lord God. And we thank you for her life. We thank you for saving her life, Lord God, and putting her in our arms and in our home, Lord God, as an example of your faithfulness to us. Lord God, we just pray that as she learns language, as she learns to listen, Lord God, and as she grows into uh, a, a little girl, Lord God, that you would order her steps, Lord God, that you would give her something, Lord God, in her character and in her resolve that, Lord God, she would not even ha would have had otherwise, Lord. And we just pray, Lord God, that you will put that this that her story, Lord God, that she will own it in her life, Lord God, 
and be able to point to you, Lord God, as the lifter of her head and the healer of her eyes and the opener of her ears. We thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness in our church and in our lives, Lord God. And we just pray for your abundant blessings on her life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together to this chorus. Thank you, guys. say good morning, Sarah. Sarah, I remember when we first met, and I've learned in life two things about recounting stories when it involves a female. Number one, the men always get it wrong, and uh, number two, we get it really wrong. So if you could uh, go ahead and share, uh, when we kind of first connected, we met each other through the school that my children attend my son and her daughter were just great buds in high school, and so that's kind of the segue, but just kind of share how we met and then begin to tell the story about what God's done in your life. You really don't remember, do you? They've, um, been, they've been best friends since third grade. Since third grade, they've been they, they, best they friends. They talk to each other every day. Like okay? that, best Still. friends. Still to this day, they talk every single day. Thank you, Sarah, for... <laughs> filling us in on that. I just want to say that um, as a mother of five and two with special needs, that was a very, this is a very difficult act to follow. And um, anyway, I, uh, I came to you a little over 10 years ago. That's right. I called you and I said, I, I, I need to talk to you. I, I can't think of anybody else I can talk to. And my world was collapsing. I had um, addiction issues. My marriage was just in shambles. Um, our one son, Ashi's uh, behaviors and aggressions were out of control. And, and so you have two autistic sons. Yes. Yes. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I, I, I have uh, every self-help book um, that's been written. Um, and I had gone every avenue that this world offers, and I was so empty, and I was so broken, and I was so lost. And we talked for almost three or four hours, I think, and then you gave me a Bible. And you said, God wants you, this is his word, and he wants you to know that you love him, that he loves you just where you are, and he is going to meet you right where you are in your mess and your chaos, and you are perfectly, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I think I argued with you a little bit about that. You did. I remember I that I part. I Pete, if God loves me, why am I this mess? And you said, the mess you're in is not from God. And I um, walked away, and of course I read the Bible within two days, and then I put it on next to my bed and didn't look at it for another year. And um, 
but no one ever told me that God loved me. I didn't know. I thought God was a punishing God, and I was very, I was filled with so much bitterness and anger about, uh, about my children having special needs. Um, just, I was very, I was full of fear. I was paralyzed by fear. I know I've spoke about this poor, before in front of the church, but I couldn't drive on highways. I couldn't go through tunnels. I w had to take drugs to get on an airplane. Um, and, and, and I don't even, I don't even know what was going on in my marriage, but we were both just worlds apart. And um, I started coming to, to church, and I started going to women's studies. I still wasn't reading that Bible. Um, and I remember um, Trish Moya gave me a little card with Philippians uh, 4, 6. And that has been like my bullet point that I go to prayer about uh, just that's how I pray, I think, and, and I ask in that way. And yeah. Um, and slowly my heart started, started changing, um, particularly about my boys. But things got a lot worse before they got better. Um, Tommy decided that he just couldn't live in the situation we were in, and that in order for us to even work on our marriage, he would have to leave, live somewhere else. And I was very upset about that. Um, and of course, in retrospect, that was the right thing to do. And Ashi's behavior got worse and worse to the point where he, I have scars all over my body. Um, we got to the point in 2012, uh, August of 2012, where he attacked me and ripped out over half of my hair. And he had to be put in a lockdown psychiatric ward in Stanton until we could figure out what to do with him. And I think it's important to qualify that as he was getting older as an autistic young man, his frustration about life had just overwhelmed him. He's nonverbal. And so in order to communicate, he was beginning to become extremely violent. And I can say this, he's a big man. Yes. He is a big, big young man. Yeah. He is, and it was, and I, he probably loves me more than anybody on the earth. I, I, I know, I, I feel, I know how much he loves me, but he's also attacked me the most of anybody. <laughs> um, and it was just, I started having panic attacks. I, I was just, at this, at this time, my marriage had been restored, and we were in an awesome place, and Jesus did so many miracles in my husband's life, but that, that is his story. I'll let him tell, but I have never, that transformation it deserves a no, it's time huge. up here, too. It's huge, um, no doubt about it. And our marriage transformed completely when we both came to Christ, so... That's By the way, one of the reasons why I wanted to Sarah to come up and share her story is she had the trifecta. She had an alcohol addiction that was ruining her life. Her marriage was in huge trouble, and then she was dealing with this issue of these kids. I mean, it's kind of the three things, any one of which is overwhelming, yeah. and yet in the midst of that, Christ met you in a very real, real powerful way. Yeah, and I also think that um, for all of these things, the addiction, the marriage, the children, um, they're ongoing life struggles. It's not, I can tell you that I am, every time I break down one of my strongholds, a new one pops up. And the enemy is, oh, I, I just feel like I'm open target for him. Um, and, but anyway, back to, to, to Ashi. Within two days of that incident, Tommy and I flew to Boston and found a facility for him that is an amazing place. It, 
was, it is a highly controversial place, but it was an incredible place, and they have transformed his life. And last weekend, I flew up there for four days, and we went to a Celtics game. And... Who did the Celtics play? The Knicks. The Knicks. Hopefully they beat them. They did. Very and good. It's important. Ashi's case manager went with me, and um, we, we knew this, we were either going to be there for two minutes, and he was going to freak out, or he would like it. And he was so excited. And we had great seats, too, so that helped. But, um, <laughs> and the Celtics won. That Isaiah helped. Thomas, this tiny little guy, uh, guy, point guard, he is just so crazy fun to watch. And Ashi was clapping appropriately. He was watching the, you know, and this is, this is a kid who, and they're, it was just amazing. And that was all God. And I just was praising God through the whole through the whole game. It was just a miracle. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's, with Ashi, there's just going to be so much more that needs to happen. Our family hasn't been together since 2010, all right. of us. Right. Um, and he's only been home twice. And um, so there's a lot there. And, I think if I didn't have my other son, Mots, who a lot of you know, who has just been kind of a living testimony of how God works miracles daily. Yes. And Mots is now in college. And if you had told me that four years ago, I would have said you were crazy. There's no how many of you remember Mots walking around City Church? He would give you a high five or a big cheesy grin or something like that. And then the miracle of him going to college is incredible. Because yes. I think they only take like a dozen or a few students a year that have a disability. And yet God opened the door for him to go to college. Yeah, and it is amazing. Um, and I think... For me, I was very anger, angry and bitter about, you know, I, I, I remember when Mats was diagnosed, I was telling my mother, what kind of God does this to a mom twice? Wow. And my heart was, the way I envisioned it was just like, it just formed ice around it. Yes. There was just so much unloving nature from my childhood onward and so I didn't trust anybody and I think God just started melting and chiseling away bit by bit yes and it's such a process for me there yes. was no lightning bolt there still isn't but you know he's opened so many incredible opportunities and doors and blessings um and what happened was I had to start, I had to pick up my mat and start walking. And mm. I think I shared this with you, just this, had started this mantra of, you know what, every morning I wake up and I'm, I'm going to show up for life. And I'm going to, I am, I was, and there was a part of that my, uh, 10 years ago where I was afraid of being around people as well. I mean, that was hard for me. Um, and, and so I just feel like that, for me, it's been a process. And the Lord has just been amazing through other women, through other people. He's just, yeah, transformed my life. I don't, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but the first time we met, you were a mess. <laughs> Literally, you were a bonafide mess. And I can't even tell you how beautiful you are this morning and what God has done in your life. It's awesome. Is there one more thing that you would like to say about what Christ has done in your life? There's so many things. So I, <laughs> I, um, I truly believe that God uses all of these situations in my life that 
appear to be negative or challenging or, you know, insurmountable. I, I know he uses those for me to come closer to him and that there is something amazing at the other end. And when Sarah Miracle says that she longs for heaven, <laughs> it's terrible. But when people pass away, I'm like, oh, gosh, it's so cool. Oh, my God. You know, when believers, I'm like, oh, gosh, I bet it's just so awesome. Oh, it is awesome. No doubt about it. And I yes. was with, uh, one thing I want to say, I was with my stepfather a year ago today. Um, when he met Jesus, and I was the only one with him. I was with him all night while he passed away, and I have never, the, Jesus came into that room and took him. It was, it was just so profound, and it was so beautiful, and so difficult, and so amazing to witness somebody passing into heaven. And I love, he was my, he was my father for all intents and purposes for 36 years. And um, I'm really grateful for that and really grateful for him. Amen. Now listen, I want you to take out the card that you were handed that says, come and see stories of what God has done. I want you to take it out just for a moment. Each one of you have a God story. If you were not given one of these when you came through the door, I want to encourage you to grab one before you exit. Every one of us have a God story. For some, it was like Cena and Chester where God did a miracle and it's sort of a one-and-done, miraculous intervention. But for a lot of us, God's miraculous sustaining power is the miracle, that God is walking you through things that you never dreamt you would face. We've heard two stories of two different families who are going to be facing things for a long time. But what I know is both of them have announced that God is good, that God has preserved them and given them strength in the midst of their weakness that they never dreamed could be real or true. So I want to encourage you before Thanksgiving morning, would you please write down your God story? I'm asking you, even challenging you, to write down the things that God has done in your life, that you would utilize this card and that you would put it in a place where you could see it, but that before Thanksgiving, you would give thanks to God for the things that He's done in and through your life and that you would write them on this card. If you would be so bold, you could also go to the City Church website and it's, it tells you right at the top on how to do that. If you have a God story that you would like to share, we over a period of months or years may be choosing different stories that appear on the God story site that goes through City Church's official website. I want you to encourage you that if you would be willing to share your story with others. How many of you have been encouraged this morning? Raise your hand. You've been encouraged. That's the power of a story that God has used in someone's life. If we don't tell it, it gets short-circuited. But if you share your story, God will use it to encourage others. At this time, I'm going to ask that you would give Sarah a hand for having the strength to come up here and share. And let's all stand together at this time. We're going to conclude by singing the, this entire worship chorus that we've begun to sing intermittently. We're going to sing all three stanzas, and then we're going to dismiss together. Let's sing with all of our hearts. Let's sing it with all of our hearts.
our eyes, but keep our hearts open. Now may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he give you strength in the battles of this life. And may he give you victory in peace. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's give God a praise as we exit this morning. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome Thanksgiving. Amen and amen.
foundation 